We are so glad that you are with us this morning. We are on our final day of Let Freedom Ring. It's our final two sermons. And as I've said so many times before, it's hard to decide. There's so much freedom that comes in Christ. If you know that's true, say amen. There's so much freedom that comes. You know, it's hard to decide what two subjects, what two messages do you choose when you only got two left? You know, the one thing that I want us to look at this morning as we begin is how much time do you waste? Right? We only have so many hours in our lives, right? How, how much time do we waste as we're talking about freedom this month, as we focused in on how we've been freed through Christ You know, we've been freed from our past. Just last week, we observed the Lord's Supper, and and we were talking about freedom from our past. You know, in in the weeks prior, we were talking about freedom from doubt, right? We're talking about freedom from worry. We were talking about the freedom that comes from through forgiveness. When we forgive, then we are actually freed. But this morning, I want us to reflect before we even get started on how much time do we waste. We waste time on all of these things. How much time do you waste in the past? Right? Viewing your past with your mind focused on your past. How much time do you waste doubting? How much time do you waste worrying? So this morning as we begin, I want us to see that we didn't just come here to hear a message. Right? We didn't just come here to learn a theory, right? To just come and hear that that this is how we've been freed and we just leave out of here. We actually need to let it register in our minds that we are actually free. You see, it's not just something that, that has been given to us so that we hold on to it. You look at this Samaritan woman last week and listen, when she was freed from her past, she immediately... Left. She left her jar laying there and she bolted to go tell somebody else. See, this morning I want you to realize that you've not just been freed from something, you've been freed for something. Amen. See, the, it, it, what, the way I would tell you that, that would make it very clear is that you've been freed to glorify God. Right? You've been freed from something. Because you've been freed for something. Another good way that you can begin this morning is realizing what the opposite of freedom is. Right? What does it mean when you're not freed? It means that you're bound. It means that you're chained. It means that you are incarcerated. It means that you're locked up. And listen, the devil, the enemy wants you to be tied. He wants you to be bound He wants you to be chained to all of those things that we mentioned. He wants you to be bound in your past. Right? He wants you to be chained to doubt. He wants you to be bound and chained to worrying. Right? Because, listen, you know why he wants those things to happen? Why does he want to chain you to that? Why does he want to bind you to that? Because he can deem you unusable. He can deem you useless, right? Even though you're a Christian and you have all the tools and you have all the answers and you've been freed, we need to leave here and we need to live like it, 
Right? Because when, when we're wasting our time, when we don't pay attention to what God has done, then it's hard for us to apply it to our lives. We're not here just to hear a message. We're not here just to, to hear a theory. We're here to hear the truth. And guys, listen, the truth will set you free. He wants you to be tied. He wants you to be bound to the doubt and the worry and the bitterness. He wants you to be bound to the sin in your life. And he wants you to be condemned by it. And that's why today when I have two choices left, our one truth today, this morning, is freedom from guilt. He wants, he wants to tie you to that guilt. He wants you to drag that guilt around with you. He wants to bring that guilt up inside you as much as possible. Because he wants to deem you useless. If I had a bow in my hand and, and, and I could show it to you, then you would see that that bow and arrow is a great weapon. But if I, if I take the string off of that bow, then it's nothing but a piece of wood. And that's what the devil wants to do. He wants to take your life and he wants to distract you with all the worry and the doubt and, and your past and, and especially the guilt that we're fixing to talk about. And he wants to deem you useless. He wants to unstring your bow. And you can't let him do it. We've got to readily identify when this guilt comes into our lives. We need to know exactly what he's up to. We need to see what the lie is. You don't have to turn there because we're going to be in a different uh, chapter and verse today. But everybody here is familiar in Luke 4 when Jesus, he was in the synagogue and he went there on the Sabbath regularly. He was asked regularly to read from the scriptures. He would, you know, he would quote scripture. Hey, listen, Jesus is scripture. But this particular day in Luke 4, right, when they handed him the scroll, he, he opens the scroll, right, in verses 17 to 21. He opens that scroll and he begins to read what we know is Isaiah chapter 61. As Jesus reads, he says, the spirit of the Lord God is on me because the Lord has anointed me to bring the good news to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives and freedom to the prisoners. Do you see it? Listen, Jesus, he rolls that scroll back up and he hands it to the attendant and he sits back down and he tells them today, everything that you've heard have, has been fulfilled. You see, he came because he was anointed. He came because he was here to give the good news to the poor. He was here to heal the brokenhearted. He was here to proclaim liberty to the captives. And listen, most of all, to free the prisoners. Do you see it? He was here to set the captives free. And that's why this morning we need to understand that when you are living in guilt... You need to be sure you readily identify it and you call the enemy a liar, which he certainly is, so that you can be set free from it. I asked my family this week, 
what have we been set free from? We were just kind of, uh, you know, we were together all week. Everybody knows that we were uh, had a small getaway. and um, But I asked them all, just kind of as a, as a review, what have we been freed from? Y'all, y'all tell me, what do y'all remember? Three out of four of my family members said sin. We've been freed from sin. I said, well, that's certainly true, but it's not one of the messages that we've had. <laughs> but it is today, and, it, and it's a huge one, that we have been set free from sin. And that's tonight's message. That'll be the very last message in freedom, which obviously leads into something else because we have a great plan for next month. But guilt is a huge one. It's a huge problem. Guilt is one of the main ways that the devil uses to unstring your bow. And that's why this morning we need to focus on guilt. We need to understand that it's the devil's a liar and that when we put our faith in Christ, that we've been free from guilt. We no longer have to be We are no longer guilty. As we begin, if you're taking notes this morning on freedom from guilt, I want to give you three things that God knows about you. Three things that God knows about you. The first one is that you are special. God knows that you're special. God knows everything about you. God made you. God has a purpose for you. God wants to use you. You are special. And do not ever believe that you can't be used. It's a lie. So the first thing that God knows about you is that you're special. And the second thing that God knows is that he loves you. The most well-known scripture in the Bible is John 3.16. That God so loved the world that he gave his one and only son. That whoever believed in him would not perish but would have everlasting life. God loves you. You're special He loves you. And the last one, the the last thing God knows about you is that you are forgiven. You're forgiven. If you have put your faith in Christ, then that means that he paid the penalty when he took it on the cross. He paid the price for all of your sins, past, present, and future. There's nothing more that you need to do. So what you've just written down is the cure for guilt. The cure for guilt. When the devil comes, and listen, if y'all think y'all got it bad when guilt comes, if y'all think y'all got it bad from the devil harassing you, you ought to be up here. Right? Because I'm telling you, he comes at me all the time. Oh, well, you know, who, who, are you, who are you? You're a pastor. You know, you ought not be doing that. You ought not be thinking that. You ought not be saying that. You know, in our culture, right, especially as Christians, we get this false sense sometimes that if you're the best Christians are the most somber. You know, the best Christians are the most reserved. In other words, if, if you have the most guilt, you might be the best Christian. And I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. Right? He did not come here. We just read Isaiah 61 and Jesus himself told us why he came and he came to set us free. He didn't come so we'd be bound by guilt. 
So don't ever believe that. But when I say that that's the cure for guilt, when the devil comes at you, which he does at me often, you need to tell him he's a liar. And you tell him, look here, devil, not today. Because God knows I'm special. God loves me. And I'm forgiven. Those three things, you need to take that with you today. If you don't take nothing else out the door, when guilt comes, you've been freed from guilt. If you know Jesus, if you have him in your heart, you do not, you no longer are guilty. You've been set free. You do not have to live in guilt. This morning, we're going to look at Psalm chapter 32. Psalm chapter 32, verses 1 through 5. It's a psalm of David. He calls it the joy of forgiveness. I'm going to pray as you turn to Psalm 32. Heavenly Father, we thank you, Lord, for your son, Jesus. Father, we just pray that as we hear from you today, that you will speak truth into our lives. Father, I, I just hope that you can just compound the weight of our forgiveness, Father. That you would show us, Father, that you would let us get out of our own way. That you would no longer let the enemy unstring our bow. That we would be effective and powerful for the kingdom. That we would know and we would not only come here and hear a message, Father, but we would understand that we've been freed. And, Father, we would be able to leave out the door and we would live differently because we know that we are not bound. We are no longer chained to the past. We're no longer chained to the worry. We're no longer chained to all the bitterness in our lives. And, Father, we, we are certainly not guilty. Father, I just ask that you would do a work in our hearts. And I ask it in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Noel Coward, he was a famous playwright. And he was said that he sent an identical note to 20 of the most famous men in London. The note simply, this anonymous note that he sent to all these 20 famous men in London, simply read, everybody has found out what you're doing. If I was you, I would leave town. Supposedly, all 20 of these men got gone. But, but listen, that's a great illustration of the power of guilt. Right? Everybody knows what you're doing. If I was you, I'd get gone. And listen, they, they were out of here. But that's, that, that is a great lesson for us. When we think that guilt doesn't affect you, you, you may be surprised when you really think about it. Guilt is powerful. It's a dread of the past. It's a pain that wells up in our heart because we know that we've committed an offense or we failed to do something right. If you know Jesus, it's actually a phantom pain. Right? If you have asked for forgiveness, if you have admitted that you're a sinner, if you've confessed that Jesus is Lord of your life, then you no longer have to worry about guilt. You're no longer guilty. I can't say it enough. But, you know, they say that people with the amputees who have lost a limb, you know, an arm or a leg, that those people sometimes have pains that feels like they still have that limb. It's a phantom pain, they call it. 
And that's exactly what you experience when you, as a Christian, when you experience guilt, it's a phantom pain. But I want you to understand that, that there's a reality, even as Christians, that there are people that live with this crippling guilt. And it cripples them from enjoyment of life. It kills their devotional life. Their relationship with God is destroyed from that guilt. It separates them. It certainly hurts relationships with their people on, on, on earth. As they have relationships, the guilt that they have will separate them and their relationship with others. There's people probably in a room this size, there's people that, that have guilt that is so severe that they may be worried and they may live life thinking, what if people find out about me? Right, that guilt that just that you are worried about your past and worried that somebody's going to find out about your past. That it cripples you, that you can't move forward, that the enemy can unstring your bow using that guilt in your life. And God wants to free us from it. The, the, these barriers that, that you erect in your lives, God wants to knock them down. Before we beat up guilt too much, we need to understand that guilt has its place. That guilt can be healthy. Right? I don't know if y'all ever played that game Operation when you were younger. Um, I don't know about y'all. I play it still when I get a chance. But 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 that game operation when you when you when you are trying to get the piece of uh, you know out of the game board when you touch the side it sends that jolt it's kind of like an electric fence right when you when you get outside that territory it lets you know something's wrong and guilt has a purpose it actually will tell us it sends an alarm that awakens us and lets us know that something needs attention. That you don't need to just sit there, that you need to do something about it. So as a Christian, you know, we have a, a, a tough way to go when it comes to guilt. Because even though we're saved, we still sin. And we still may commit sins that we feel guilty long term about. You know, there's people in this room that even though you know Jesus, you have guilt in your life. You may feel guilty about something you did last week. You may feel guilty about something you did a year ago. You may feel guilty about something you did 10 years ago. As David wrote this psalm in, in Psalm 32, he cries out for God to forgive him of his double sin of adultery and murder. His guilt was immense. As a matter of fact, in Psalm 38, he wrote, My guilt has overwhelmed me like a burden that is too heavy to bear. But his, his release from that guilt was sweet. And listen, as we read this Psalm 32, it, it gives us a great picture. It gives us a great picture of, of practical steps for us to be freed from guilt. Pastor, what do you mean? You just said we're already free. 
Well, I'm saying that whenever, whenever we ask for forgiveness, we accept our, uh, Jesus as our Lord and Savior, we have been set free. That, that we have been forgiven for all sins, past, present, and future. But as we go through our lives, as guilt shows back up, we can use the cure for guilt, but we also need to go back and we need to ask for forgiveness. But you don't have to ask for it time and time again. I'm going to read Psalm 32. If you would stand in honor of God's word, we're going to read verses 1 through 5. How joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven, whose sin is covered. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whose spirit is no deceit. When I kept silence, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. For day and night, your hand was heavy on me. My strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Selah. Then I acknowledged my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. You may be seated. When you see... The word Salah, you'll see it in, in Psalms, you'll also see it in, in Habakkuk. That word Salah actually means to weigh, right? To feel the weight of. Uh, that word Salah can also mean to balance. It's not by chance that David put Salah in there after two distinct verses. The first time, in, in, after verse 4, he talks about for day and night. His heavy, God's hand was heavy on him and that his strength was drained like the summer heat. That he felt like from his guilt that he couldn't go on anymore. Right? He wants you to pause. After he says Salah, he's like, I want you to feel the weight of that. I want you to stop for a minute and I want you to feel my overwhelming guilt. But then at the end of uh, verse 5, he says that I will confess my transgressions to the Lord and you forgave the guilt of my sin. Selah. Right? He, he wants you to feel the weight of the sin, but then he wants you to feel the weight of the forgiveness. It's not by chance that he, that he chose the placement of those words at those particular places. As we look at those five verses, I want us to see five, or I'm sorry, Four practical steps for us to be freed from guilt. Four practical steps for us to be freed from guilt. If it's something that, that God is dealing with you, if you feel overwhelming conviction, if it's something that you've not confessed to the Lord before, if it's something that God has not dealt with you before on, then these are practical steps for you to be freed from guilt. The first one is for you to admit your guilt. Admit it. I don't know about y'all, but in our society, it's almost comical. You know, we see so many times the downfall of politicians and ministers, business people, other leaders, you know, 
it goes on and on. You know, just this week, uh, Hugh Freeze, Ole Miss's coach. You know, when you see that these guys get in trouble or, or women, you know, whatever it may be, so many times they sidestep. Right? They don't take, they, they don't admit they're guilty. And the first step to getting past your guilt is to admit that you're guilty. Several years, years ago, when I say several, I mean several, there was a TV preacher that stood before his congregation in, in person and on television with tears streaming down his face and he was saying and crying out that I have sinned against you, my Lord. Another time, even David, the one who wrote this psalm, in, in uh, Psalm 51, verse 4, he says, Against thee and thee only I have sinned. So the first step in being freed from your guilt is to admit your guilt. David knew, as well as the preacher, the evangelist that was on television, knew that the first step was important, and that's to acknowledge that I have sinned. Look at verse 5. Then I acknowledge my sin to you. David makes it very clear. I'm guilty. Now, I know y'all have heard this before, but the first step on the road to recovery is admitting that you have a problem. That, that's the first step. <laughs> my wife, she tells me that often. <laughs> you need to admit that you've got a problem. The, the, the second one, the second step to being freed from your guilt is to confront your guilt. So the first one is admit that you're guilty. The second one is confronting your guilt. The guilt must be confronted and dealt with. To overcome it, we can't continue to hide its reality. I don't know about y'all, but so many times, you know, we're tempted to just not deal with it. We're tempted to just... To just turn away from it. To just hope that it will go away. But what we need to do is admit that we're guilty. And then confront our guilt. Bring it to the surface. Because here's the reality. The reality is if we don't confront our guilt. When God is welling something up inside of us. When we are feeling conviction. It's time to deal with it. And if you don't. There will be consequences. David shows us the consequences in here. The first consequence we see is in verse 3, which is psychological. He says, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning all day long. His conscience, his, his conscience inside him was groaning all day long. David could not get the wrong out of his mind. Look, he awoke with that guilt. It followed him throughout his day. And it probably gnawed at him when he tried to sleep. I read a story this week about a young man who committed murder when he was 15 years old. And he, he got away with it. Like he, he never got prosecuted with the crime. They never found out that he did it. And for 15 years when he was 30, he finally went back and he turned himself in. The guilt that he had inside, as they interviewed him 
for the news and they asked him, why in the world would you do that? And he told him, he said, the guilt was overwhelming. For 15 years, I dealt with it day in and day out. And just like David, you know, he woke up with it all day long. It followed him and it gnawed at him while he tried to sleep. And that's what David is saying right here in verse 3. He says, when I kept silent, my bones became brittle from my groaning. Inside, it groans. It's psychologically, there's a consequence that we pay. When we don't confront our guilt, there are consequences. The second one is spiritually. You'll see it in the first part of verse 4. He says, for day and night, your hand was heavy on me. Our sin separates us from God. It drives a wedge between us and him. And that barrier will remain until we deal with it. So the first one was psychologically, the second one was spiritually, and the last one is physically. You'll see it in the last part of verse 4. David says, my strength was drained as in the summer's heat. Like water evaporates on a sunny day, so did David's physical condition. You know, I've heard about people that have lost their appetite from guilt. Unable to sleep, just like we talked about psychologically. You know, it keeps you from sleeping. People experience shortness of breath. And there are people that literally become sick from guilt. So the first thing is that we're, we have to admit our guilt. The second one is that we must confront our guilt if we're going to experience freedom from guilt. And the, and the third one is that we need to confess our guilt. It's time to tell God like it is. I want to tell you too this morning, it's kind of comical and sometimes we don't think about this, but as we confess our guilt to God, we're not telling him anything he doesn't already know. God knows everything about us. But so many times, and that's how the enemy does this, that the enemy wants to pile that stuff on us and feel like we can't move like David. David's like, man, I felt like I was about to give out. He says, my strength was drained as in the summer's heat. And so many times we do the same thing whenever we don't confess, we hold on to it, right? But listen, y'all, God already knows. He already knows. There's nothing that you're going to confess to him that he does not already know. I think about our children, and sometimes when we ask them, you know, we already know what they've done. But we ask them, tell me what you did. I told you to do this, but tell me what you did. And we already know the answer. And so does our Heavenly Father. In verse 5, he, he, he shows us, he says, Then I acknowledge my sin to you and did not conceal my iniquity. I said, I will confess my transgression to the Lord and you will forgive the guilt of my sin. The word confession actually means to agree with. When we're confessing, we are only admitting, we are agreeing with him that we've rebelled against his authority, that we agree with him, that we miss the mark, the standard in our lives. And we agree that something is twisted in our lives and it needs to be straightened out. That's all we're doing is agreeing with him. 
And when that happens, guilt is dispelled. When the truth comes out, right, when we actually overcome our guilt with the truth, guilt has to flee. As a matter of fact, when we confess our guilt, it melts like a block of ice. I got good news for y'all this morning. If you go back to to verse 1, when we confess our guilt to the Lord, he promises to do these three things. The first one is forgive. When we confess our guilt to him, he promises to forgive us. Verse 1, he says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven. He doesn't say how somber, right? He says, how joyful is the one whose transgression is forgiven. If you've been forgiven this morning, say amen. 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 Uh, He says, how joyful is the one. We have been set free and we need to live like we've been set free. The second thing that God promises to do when we confess is he promises also in verse 1 to cover it. Right after he says the word forgiven, he says whose sin is covered. God promises to cover it. To hide it from his sight. Here's a good visual for you. When you get to the gate, when you stand before almighty God, right? Whenever you get to heaven... He won't see you at all. Whenever you talk about covering your sins, when you accept Jesus as your Lord and Savior, when you stand before Almighty God, He won't see you. He's going to see Jesus standing right in front of you. The image of you will be gone. And the image of His Son will take your place. And the last thing that He promises to do when we confess our guilt to Him He promises, promises not to count it. He clears our record. How joyful, look at verse 2. How joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity. You may say, Pastor, what's iniquity? I'm glad you asked. Iniquity is just simply immoral behavior. It's, It's grossly unfair behavior. Iniquity is us missing the mark that he promises not to count it. When we confess our guilt to him, he promises not to count it. It says, how joyful is a person whom the Lord does not charge with iniquity and in whom spirit is no deceit. Our record is clear. When we put our faith in Jesus, whenever he died on the cross, all of our debt was paid in Full. Amen. Amen. You know, there's a, whenever you talk about covering your sin, in in the Old Testament, there was a lot of sacrifices. They they would sacrifice animals. There was bird offerings. There were smoke offerings. There were sin offerings. You know, there was all these different kinds of offerings that would cover your sin. Right? That that, that was kind of like, you know, sweeping it under the rug, if you will. Right, you know, you, they would offer it and sweep it on the rug. Offer it, sweep it on the rug. Offer it, sweep it on the rug. Until you have this big old giant lump under the rug, right? And then everybody knows that you got some issues, right? 
because you got this big giant lump under the rug. But that, but that's not how it works when Jesus died for our sins. Listen to me. He washes us white as snow. See, it's no longer covered. When you put your faith in Jesus, your sin, your debt is paid in full, and you no longer are guilty. He, he promises that not to count it against us. In verse 2, he, he promises to clear our record. So the last point for freedom from guilt is number one, to admit your guilt, confront your guilt, confess your guilt, and the last one, y'all, is forget your guilt. Forget it. Now, last week, it's a little different because last week we were talking about freedom from our past, and we talked about we, we, you can't forget your past. And the reason is, that is where our testimony lies. We need to forget what we used to be bound to, right? That's how we witness, right? You can't forget your past, but I'm here to tell you all this morning that you've been freed from guilt, and you need to leave it behind. It's gone. Forget it. If God forgets your confessed sin... So should we. He doesn't just clear the record of your past mistakes. He obliterates them. They're gone. Just like a computer. You've been using a computer that, and the power goes out, right? And you don't type for two hours and never save it. <laughs> and it bloop and it comes back on. You're like, whoa. <laughs> what just happened? Y'all know what I'm talking about. It's gone. It ain't in there no more. You cannot retrieve it. And listen, this morning I want us to understand that it's the same way that God has cleared our record and y'all don't need to keep digging it up. We don't need to keep going back. We cheapen the gospel when we do that. Whenever we continue to feel guilty for the things we've already been forgiven about, we are cheapening the gospel. The blood of Jesus has covered us and what he did on the cross was sufficient. We no longer need to feel guilty. And that's exactly what God did for David. When David confessed his sin to God, suddenly his sin and his guilt were gone forever. And that's exactly what God will do for us. He erases our sin and he also erases our guilt. We need to forget our guilt and move on with life. That's a tall order. I know it is. There's a lot of guilt in this room, including me. But this, this morning, I, I want us, as, as we leave here, I want us, when we feel spiritually paralyzed, when, when, you, when you know that the enemy's trying to unstring your bow, when you feel that, gut, that guilt coming on, if you've already went through this process with God, you need to tell him he's a liar. Amen. Right? When you feel him coming on, you feel that guilt coming on, you can start here. You can start with crying out to God and say, God, why do I feel this way? God, what, why do I feel guilty still? And he'll show you. I'm certain of it. But if it's something that you've already confessed, if it's something you've already confronted... And confess to him, and, and, the, and the enemy wants to pile it back on top of you, you need to tell him to get gone. 
Not today, devil. That I'm special. That I'm loved and that I'm forgiven. Not today. We don't need to, to deny the effectiveness of Christ's death and the freedom that comes from his forgiveness. Don't let the enemy do it to you. I want us to bow our heads, close our eyes, just for a moment this morning. All heads bowed, all eyes closed. I want you to reflect just for a few moments on the guilt that you may have experienced recently. Maybe even today, as we have heard this message, maybe you have heard from the Lord. Maybe you have been able to remember the guilt that you confront are confronted with day in and day out. I don't know what that is in your life, but God knows exactly what it is. I want us to just think for a minute, reflect. I want you to bring that guilt to the surface this morning and don't leave here with it. God wants to free you from that guilt. I want you to pray, reflect, confront, confess.